throughout Lent, we've been listening to the various witnesses of the cross from the beginning of Holy Week to the end of Holy Week. Who was there? What do they see of Jesus? But also, what do they tell us about our response to Jesus? My wife and I watch a lot of crime drama shows on TV and on Netflix, and several of them are British uh, crime uh, drama shows. And so many times when they are about to arrest who they think is the killer, they realize this is the person. Let's go get them. Somebody will say, oh, you know, it's time for a spot of tea. Oh, we lot biscuits. And they'll sit down. I was like, are you kidding? You know the killer. Go get them. Who are these witnesses? And one of the other things that happens in these court dramas is the way that they go after the witness, right? Cross-examine. Where were you? When were you there? What did you see? What did... And what we're kind of getting here is we walk through these, these people and their stories. They say a lot to us about the crime, the cross, but they also tell us something about ourselves. Most of the people, we've talked about this before, most of the people who, who witness Christ walking to his cross on his cross, they're not the main players that we think about. Caiaphas isn't there. Pilate isn't there. Peter isn't there. Just, just to press that point, we talked about the women who were witnesses. I'm going to point to you. And when I point to you, Scripture gives us several of their names. I want you to name them for me. Okay? Just name me one at a time when I point to you. Anybody squirming? We don't know their names, sadly. But they're the ones who are faithful to go. They were the ones faithful to make a witness and to walk with Christ to the cross, to walk and be there and stand with Christ while he died. It's a good word for us. If you ever feel on the outs or less than, we can't remember their names, but they're the ones who honored Christ, wept for Christ, have a place in Scripture and the testimony of the crucifixion of Christ. So what is it? the witnesses today. As we look at this story of the triumphant entry in Matthew 21, as we look through the entirety of, of Matthew, what's, a, what's another group of witnesses we don't want to miss? It's the crowds. Routinely, not just what, what, what the Jewish leadership says, not just what the Roman leadership say, not just what some disciples or followers, but what, what about the crowds? What do they tell us about Christ, but what do they also tell us about ourselves? So if you're following along in your notes, we'll pick up here with Matthew 21. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What praise, what faith has Corey prayed about? To, to, to recognize that about Christ, to, to put your garments down, which would have been a sign of royal homage. This is the Messiah. This is the King. To have waved palm branches, to have placed them down, which you would have done, and you know that from pastors and Sunday school teachers. It would have been a symbol of, of victory. This is the one who has authority and who has given us the victory that's even hinted at in Revelation 7-9. After this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. A symbol of, of victory, a symbol of homage. And then this quote here from Psalm 118. This would have been a Passover song or psalm. 
to connect that with Jesus, the one who has come to be the Paschal Lamb, the one who has come to sacrifice himself for us so that we might be skipped over or passed over by the blood. To connect that, what praise, and then this this response (coughs) as well. Uh, as he comes into his holy city to give himself away, and they're mentioning Father David, that Jesus is of the messianic line, and he is the king of kings who has come for us. An incredible word. I didn't get a chance to share it at our service. I shared it at 1045. But you remember last week we talked about this word, if, that, that one of the robbers threw at Jesus, and it's the same word that Satan threw at Jesus, if. I talked at 1045 reminding them, you know, it's interesting that right before those two ifs that come into Jesus' life, you get two words by the Father to his Son. It's at Jesus' baptism that the Father says to Jesus and to to those who are there, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then right after that, it is the temptation where the devil's questioning him. And then right before Jesus makes his trek, this journey to Jerusalem to die, where people will ask him, if you are the Son of God, and we're going to see it again today, if you are, since you are, right before that, God again speaks to his Son of the Transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. The Father spoke into his Son's life just before the ifs come. It's why you and I have to be in the Word That's why you and I have to be in our prayer closet so the Spirit can speak to us. It's why you and I have to literally eat this word, to have it in us, so that when those ifs come, and they will come from the devil and from others, and even, sadly, from ourselves, that we can can have this confidence and boldness that Jesus has as he walks to the cross, as he looks down the devil at at the wilderness temptation. No ifs for Jesus. He doesn't blink. And part of that is because the Father has spoken this word into his life. And I'm praying that he's speaking that word into our lives as well. Who we are. So when we bump into those ifs, we will not blink. So, what's here for us? This crowd, even with Jesus not coming in on a white charger as they would have expected, right? But on a beast of burden, even though, even that, they can still pay homage and honor him. But Crowds are funny things. We keep going in Matthew's gospel to Matthew 26, 55 through 56. Now listen, sometimes as pastors we want to make connections. This, there's no connection from this crowd to the Palm Sunday crowd, okay? Maybe some were there who were there, but there, there's no, there's no con- real connection for that. This is a mob now in Matthew 26 coming to arrest Jesus. These witnesses, hear hear what happens here. Matthew 26, 55 through 56. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the, the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Jesus is then taken down that same ancient road that David would have been led out on as Absalom Absalom kicked him out. But at least people walked with David and wept with David. For Jesus, there would be no one. Remember now, this is not just Peter's denial at at, at Jesus. This is all of them. All of them desert. All of them flee. They all run. Where are you, Thomas? Thomas. 
You just said, just days ago, let's go with Jesus to die. If he's going to Bethany and they're going to get him, let's go with him and die. Where are you? He is gone. Where are you, sons of thunder? Want to call down fire from the sky? And now this happens? Where are you? You're gone. They all desert. They all flee. And what is it Jesus says to this crowd? Look, I'm, I'm in the city all week. Where were you then? Why is it now you're coming with weapons? The only reason that this is happening is because of the prophets. The only reason I am letting this happen is so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. That's another sermon for another day. But what an important word for us. If it's in the word, if it's of the word, it will always match my life. No matter what the word says, if it's pain, if it's struggle, if it's heart, whatever the word says, not one I will, let, will be left undotted. Not one T will be left uncrossed. If the prophets had said it, I will fulfill it. My life will match what the scriptures say. And so the crowd marches him back all alone to Jerusalem. This crowd, all that buzz and stirring from just a few days before. Who is this Jesus? This one of David, this one who will come and be a Messiah, and how quickly crowds can change. I think I've shared with you before, but I came to Christ in high school. And, it, and I, I just remember being confused and a little bit shocked how crowds changed with me literally overnight. I had a night and day conversion. Uh, for some of you, as we talked about in our evangelism series, you could testify, I've, you've always walked with the Lord, you've always sensed his presence, you've always tried to live for him. That was not my case. I was living for me. And then I, I heard it one night at a youth group meeting that I needed to repent of my sins and that Jesus Christ would cleanse my heart, come into my life by his Holy Spirit and change my life. I surrendered to that night and day. And there was some night and day that happened in crowds almost immediately. There were certain things I wouldn't say anymore, certain things I wouldn't do anymore. I thought I was a better me. I still believe that. I could actually love people, not have to take from them. I could actually encourage people instead of just sarcastically crush them. I thought this is new and improved. But if I'm not going to come along and endorse what some other crowds were saying, all of a sudden I'm on the outs for trying to encourage people in their walk with Christ. Yeah. Crowds change, and crowds can change quickly. You paying a price for that? By how you parent when the crowds won't parent that way? You paying a price for that, for how you play, because there are certain things you won't do in your play or recreation when the crowds are doing other things? Are you paying a, a price for what you will join in and what you won't join in, what you will do, what you won't do? If you don't endorse the crowd, there is a price to be paid, how quickly they can turn. You see it here in the next passage, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 27, verse 20 and 25. Not only can they turn, but they can turn very fast. All that word about Jesus buzzing, about who he might be and what he might bring to the people of God. And now in 20 and 25, they're just saying crazy things. First, they're saying, why don't we, why don't you all call for Barabbas to be released? Are you kidding? That one? Yeah. Let's see if y'all can do that. And they do. 
And then you drop down to verse 25, and he's, they've even gotten them worked up where they changed the crowd to say, let, let, his, let that blood be on our children. Who would say that? How quickly crowds can turn. You been there? Just kind of hung out with a certain crowd, just said, I, I want to be with these folks. I, I like some of these folks. And you, you kind of join in and you're there. And the next thing you do, you know, you're, you're taking part in things you never would have thought would have been in your life. To turn on the news and watch a Little League baseball game get ugly with parents, right? To, to pull up Facebook and see adults at an event uh, they went well-intentioned, and all of a sudden, just see them doing things you can't believe. Uh, to stand in a group and to have them begin to destroy somebody with their words. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself joining in, not speaking up for this person you know. Uh, crowds can change, and the, the hard part is this. Not only can they change, they can change us. That's why we have to be very careful. Again, in the world, not of it but to be very careful and to guard ourselves when it comes to the crowds. I think it's one of the reasons Jesus was very careful about withdrawing with the Lord. It's why he was careful to withdraw with two or three covenant partners, Peter, John, and, and James. I think it's why he, he, he spent, if it was three hours, I mean three years, eight hours a day, about 8,000 hours with the 12 disciples. I need these 12. We're going to I can work with them, and they'll bless me and encourage me. And then that larger group of disciples who followed. Matter of fact, Wesley, our father Wesley was so serious about it, I read on Twitter a few weeks ago, I don't remember this from his journals, of, of a group in Newcastle, one of his societies, these larger groups. I think that group was a huge group, like eight, 900. One day he kicked out 64. One day, 64. Ready for why? Here we go. Two, because they broke Sabbath. One, just because this person was lazy. That was the reason you got punted back then. Four, because they couldn't keep their mouth closed about other people. A uh, couple for cursing, a couple for quarreling, a couple went for lying. Uh, one just for being careless. Now, that kind of discipline, that kind of accountability, uh, why? Because it's important for us to care for one another because if we're lax in that, boy, the crowds can turn us and influence us and sadly shape us and change us out there well, that's why we need people jesus models for it uh, that for us wesley models that for us the qu crowds can turn quickly and sadly the crowds can change us but for this series then dropping down to our last one on matthew 27 39 what do they tell us about the, the cross what do we see in their response? The first response we get of the crowds is as, as they pass by, they hurl insults, shake their heads, and they say that word again, if you are the Son of God. So maybe it is this mocking, if you are the Son of God, come down. But could it also be a play? Could it also be a play to the pride of Jesus? Is some of that going on in the wilderness temptation? Is some of that going on in the cross? Look, since you are the Son of God... If you are the Son of God, come down off that. Could that have played into Jesus? Could that have played in the wilderness where, oh, you can throw yourself down. You can, you can do all this, and it'll prove that you're the Son of God. What do we get out of Jesus if that is the play? The chief and the root of so much of sin, being pride. What do you get? Nothing. 
A moment when he could have, as, as John's Gospel says, here's the picture of the glory of Christ on the cross. What do you get about himself? Nothing. No self-glory. No look at me. But as we've said for weeks now, I want you in my kingdom. I want you forgiven. I want you to now live with him, Mom. I'm going to take care of you. In a moment where it should have been, this is the center of all of creation. The Lamb of God dying. And what you get is selflessness. What you get is other-centeredness. What you get is gentleness and humility. The King of Kings humbling himself for us. Boy, we can get tempted to be puffed up. We can get tempted to say, look at me, look at my kids, look at my success, look at my... And what we get from Jesus is a heart that's other-centered, the heart of a servant poured out for others, not drawing attention to himself. Insults if you are the king, and he simply just dies uh, for them. If we had more time this morning, I'd want to look at that Luke passage. We don't, but there's that reminder again. If we go back to Luke, we mentioned it, I think, a week ago. The other response to Jesus on the cross is they beat their chest, which really can be a sign of contrition. It's interesting, not just them, but also the centurion. When they watch what Jesus says in his death, when they watch how Jesus dies, it changes them. From hurling insults moments before, but then to watch how he forgives, to watch what he does, and to watch how he dies, it ends up making the centurion say in Mark 15, surely this is the Son of God. Y'all, every one of us is going to get pushed probably this week, maybe even tomorrow, maybe even today. When you are pushed, when you are pressed, when you are bumped, what does the world get? When the world that insults you, when the, when the world that criticizes you, when the world that presses you, when they get grace poured out, when they bump into self-giving love, other-centered love, when they give you that, it's a testimony here. They beat their chest. The centurion turns and says, surely this is the Son of God. Crowds can turn, and crowds can turn quickly. It's a great check for us to see the beauty of the response on Palm Sunday this day. Homage, praise, and then to see how other crowds can be so quickly and, and drastically changed. What's the check in my life, Lord, today? Uh, that I might, be a, I might bless and encourage my sphere of influence, but, but am I standing up in the crowd? And Lord, is there any part of my life where I'm actually being changed by the crowd? I don't want to do that. I want to hold a palm branch and put it on the ground. I want to take off my cloak and put it on the ground and let Jesus get the glory he is due. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you for this reminder of your son who has come for us, the king of kings, coming so he might give his life for us. We praise you, Jesus, for your love and for your grace. You did not take your eyes off Jerusalem and the cross. We pray that our response then, as we live our lives, that the way that we speak and live before others will bring glory to you, not ourselves. We pray that as we speak and we live our lives, that, that we will not be influenced by the world, but instead by our grace, by our responses, by our lives, by our words, 
others will sense and know your grace and truth. Bless now our response to this, your word. It's in your name that we pray this prayer. Amen.